you're about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. have a real task. I think it's a precursor to what I would be speaking about also on Sunday, depending on how God leads us. And I don't want to keep you uh, this long. I I, I think it's also going to be a bridge between what I would discuss today and and Sunday and in the uh, following weeks. Um, Because as much as I grappled and battled with it, this kept coming into my mind and I believe in the name of Jesus that it would set the church in the right place uh, for what he wants to do. So if you would, uh, turn with me to the book of Revelations in chapter 3. Uh, Revelations in chapter 3. People don't like to read the book of Revelations. <laughs> it scares the living hell out of us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one time I said I'm going to do an, uh, a whole teaching on the book of Revelations and nobody seemed to come to church that Wednesday. Uh, so the book of Revelations is a fantastic book. It's not a book uh, that you should run away from. Um, but because there's not a lot of, uh, and he will bless you in the morning and the evening and the afternoon, we kind of run away from it. Um, but the book of Revelations in chapter 3 and verse 7 um uh, Uh, writes this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, using the New Living Translation, the one who has the key of David, which what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. Now listen to where it goes. Can we get it up? Is it, are we grappling with it? Uh, verse 8 of, uh, of chapter 3. Uh, he says, I know all the things you do. And I have opened a door for you. That no one can close. You have little strength. Yet you obey my word and did not deny me. Did you see that? He says, uh, he says uh, yet you obey. You've got to believe me now. That's why you're supposed to bring your Bible to church. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, they can't kill you. <laughs> That's why you should bring your Bibles to church. You don't bring your Bibles to church. You don't even bring your iPads to church. You don't even bring your phones to church. Now, when technology goes AWOL, like, hey, what happened to church this afternoon, uh, this evening? Something wasn't working. Yes! Your hand's supposed to walk. So, here we go. Uh, He says, you have little strength, yet you obey my word. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word. You have little strength. Listen to this. Yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. He says, look. I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, those liars who say they are Christians but are not, 
to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I hope you are following me. He says, I'm coming soon. Now, how many times have you ever been to a church, uh, including Worship Tabernacle, uh, and they've spoken about Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. How many times? Now, you're hearing it today. He's coming soon. He says, I'm coming soon. He says, hold on to what you have so that no one would take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from, from my God and I will also write on them my new name. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone, anyone, verse 13, anyone who with ears, anyone with ears, say this after me, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This is really important. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the New Living Translation likewise, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'm going to read that again. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says, then for you to learn and know the will of God, it is allowing God to transform you into a new person. And how does he do that? By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Hallelujah. Uh, he says that he, you have to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The last scripture I'm going to put up there. They don't have it. but find it for me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. New King James Version. He says, in this manner, in this manner, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father, who our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your what will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Breathe over your words tonight. That lives will be shaped, dreams will be fulfilled, and success will be guaranteed. This we believe and this it will, be, it will be so in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. I'm have a, 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 a plethora, a salad of scriptures to choose from. I don't even know where to stay to start to start from. My subject matter today is accepting the will of God because we've spoken about the Spirit of God. We've spoken about the Holy Spirit who is our helper. We've spoken about hearing the voice of God. But one of the most important things or one of the most difficult things is how do I actually accept God's will for my life? Because accepting God's will for our lives is one of the most difficult things. Uh, 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 recently, I was, I, was, I, was, I was praying and God said to me, this is what I want you to do regarding my son. And I'm like, really like it and God says well if you don't like it then you can you know like your will and I grappled with it honestly I'm still grappling with it but I started to find out that one of the biggest challenge people have is accepting God's will what is God's will for my life are you following what, 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 what does God want me to do? And then even if I know God's will for my life, it doesn't measure up to what I see. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute to what I see. Uh, 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 is this really all that God has for me? When, when, when I was serving as an associate pastor for years and years and years and years and years, I know God said to me one time that I'm going to, you're going to be a pastor and he gave me the name of the church but it just didn't compute, it didn't really measure up to what I was going through at that particular time. And then even when we started Worship Tabernacle, it didn't compute to what God spoke in my spirit. And even when we moved into this building, it didn't still compute unto what I saw because there are many empty chairs. Like on Wednesday, you've got first class. Try that second service on Sunday now. You'll be sitting outside sooner or later. But how do I accept God's will for my life? When, when I met my wife and God said, this is who you should marry. Mm, I had some certain things in my mind. One of the things I had in my mind was, God, I've always asked you to give me someone who has money. This one is still in Brunel University. How does that happen? Now that this, this, that I, I'm going to have to struggle with this. And then I remember that day she walked up to me and said, Oh, can I give her 10 pounds? I'm like, God, this is what I'm talking about. How do I really accept this? Because the things that I was looking at, the things that I wanted was some, someone who had a little bit of you know, money, walking, walking in the city, not the kind of job I was doing at the DSS or Department of Social Security as a, as a civil servant. Now I want someone who had a car, who had all that kind of stuff going on. And God said to me, this is who I want you to marry. And you know what? When you accept God's will, all those things do come. She got graduated, worked in the city, worked in Price Cooper, Cooper House, uh, went to Credit Suisse first, busting in, 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 uh, in the city of Canary Wharf, and she was flying. 
And I looked back one time because God said to me before I married her, he said she will finance the gospel. Someone in Brunel University, of all universities around, if she was in Cambridge, then I would understand. Sorry for those who went to Brunel, that's so deep. Dear to my heart, Brunel is really dear to my heart. Brunel shaped this church, to be honest with you. Brunel University shaped this church. Uh, that university is it's got, it's got, it's got, it's, it's dear to my heart. Uh, but I'm just joking. But I'm just joking. So, you know, I mean, you just guaranteed, you know, go to Oxford, go to Cambridge, you know, something will happen, maybe. Uh, but that is just not Brunel University. Uh, she's still in uni. That doesn't really work out the way I wanted. Also, Number one, I have to accept that you called me to be a pastor. How do I tell a lady who's just in university about to graduate that God called me to be a pastor? And then all throughout the time when we got together and I started to move into a certain area of um, IT and God started to bless me, how do you come back to the same woman and say, no, this is not what God has for my life? How do you accept God's will? Because this is one of the most important things that we can ever be confronted with. How do I accept God's will when I've waited and waited and waited and waited and then suddenly you hear, that's what I want you to do, that's where I want you to be. How do I accept God's will for my life that, okay, I'm single. Is this how exactly it's going to end up with? What is exactly going to happen with my life? Should I take some shortcuts? Should I do something that I can help myself? Because heaven helps those who what? Which is nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> it's not a biblical. It's not. It's not a biblical quotation. Uh, uh, and, 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 and even people walk up to you and say, "You, you, you better help yourself. You, you really got to start to sort your life out." Mom comes, dad comes, friends comes. Everybody else seems to be moving forward, and you seem to be uh, marking time. So, how do I accept God's will for my life? Why did Jesus teach them to say, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name." Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Why, why was that the first sentence he made? Because every other prayer after that becomes irrelevant if we do not hallow God's name first and if we do not accept his will because his will on earth is first settled in heaven. How, how do we do that? Many of us are sitting there and we know. We know. We're sitting in places or areas where we just really can't compute what God is saying to us, whether through a dream, whether through a prophecy, or whether through circumstances. And we're sitting there and we're thinking, this is taking too long. This is really taking too long. And, 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 and I want to open this as an introduction today and then open up for questions. But I need us to understand that Casual Christians are those who want to be numbered amongst the flock but care less about following the shepherd. There are many casual Christians from those who are sitting on the pulpit to those who are in the pew. Actually, there are many casual Christians who are pastors. Honestly, they, you want to be numbered amongst the flock but you care less about following the shepherd. How many people come for some certain things? So are you a member of worship? Yes, I am. 
I've never seen you before. I, yeah, sit upstairs. I said, yeah, even sitting upstairs, I've never seen you before. Yeah, I, 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 I walk. I'm like, walk what? Uh, so many people li- love to be counted amongst the flock, but don't want to follow the shepherd. So when the shepherd, just take example, the shepherd is me right now. I'm not, we're going to the chief shepherd. When the shepherd now says we've got to fast, when he says you've got to come, when he says you've got to contribute, he says you've got to help out in church. Mm, not really because I'm, I'm busy. But when you want to get married, then you know who the shepherd really is. And even if the shepherd says, no, somebody else will do your wedding. Oh, no, pastor, we want you to do it. So, so you, you, you want me to do what you want me to do for what you want to do, but you don't want to do what I want you to do. I can't repeat that. <laughs> so you, you're, 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 you're here because of what you want to get than what you want to give. They want the forgiveness of the cross of Christ, but they never intend to carry their own cross. We want the shepherd just to be counted so that when there is a scarcity of food, he will feed me. You're among the ones who will eat when the 5,000 were fed, but we also saw you again when the 4,000 were fed. You're always there where food appears. But when Jesus was carrying his cross, you disappeared. They want the warm, the fuzzy moments on Sunday morning, but offer no commitment to Jesus on Monday. They love being in church because church seems to speak to their flesh. There's good music. These days we, 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 we put up a theater. Oh, we have to. <laughs> the, 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 the thing has to work. The, 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 the sound has to work. And the sound has to work in a certain way so it doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't blast your ears. And yet it will tell you, come and help us set up. But no. We want, we want the air conditioned. We want the, we want the, the, when it's cold, we want it hot. And when it's hot, we want it cold. Uh, many people would choose a church based on the ambience. Oh, it's purple chairs. I didn't know purple are good. <laughs> oh, he talks about royalty. Mm, my spirit says that's the place. No. <laughs> Try the plastic chairs. You know, there's a church I went to some recently. I forgot. You know, sometimes you get used to something. So I stood up doing praise and worship. I'm the one who's going to preach it. Then they now told us to sit down. And I just sat down, just sat. And I felt something go through my back. I had assumed I was sitting down in church. <laughs> the seats were hard. No, honestly. I said, I said, Shanda Bohosa. The pastor thought I just felt the spirit move. No, my spine moved. And you know, if it happened only one time, then it would be good. The next time they now had this, they, you know, during the worship before the sermon, they sang well, you know. Uh, 
I got up and encouraged them. And then I sat down and sat down with the same force. I'm like, stupid. You're not in church. But it's Sunday. So there are things that you're used to. Many times we walk into church for the comfort it can provide. In short, many of us, we want the crown without the cross. The presence of the Holy Spirit makes our hearts clean, our minds pure, and our lives fruitful to the glory of God when we follow and accept His will. Because accepting the will of God for our lives is not something that you can trade with. You can't go to God and say to God, okay, if you do this for me, then I will do this for you. Whoever taught you that has deceived you. Because God does not trade with you. Why, what makes you so special to God that he will sit down and negotiate with you when his only son didn't succeed doing that? Why would God change his will for your life based on your inconvenience when Jesus himself was crying and praying to the extent that the Bible says the sweat was like blood and God still looked in heaven and was quiet. Like after you finish, you're still going to do what I tell you to do. He says, God, let your will be done. Because his prayers, God, if it is possible, it's a negotiation, isn't it? If it's possible, take this cup away from me. But he immediately knew that God is not going to negotiate with you when he can see the end from the beginning. You are seeing the cross. He has set the crown for you. And what God does is God says, if that's what you want to do, fine. Then he will find a man after his own heart. My wife would have married someone else and she would have succeeded in life. I don't know where she would have been, but she would if I decided that I'm not going to follow God's will for my life for her. God would have found someone after his own heart. And then he would have allowed me to marry who I want to marry. And because I now married who I want to marry, it is now my responsibility to keep up what he didn't give me. Ah. My young ones, hear the voice of God. We love to do what we want to do. And we think we're getting away with it. But we do not realize that God doesn't argue with you. He is not a God that's going to argue with you. He says, once has he spoken. Twice have I heard that all honor may be unto God. This stubborn attitude, this kind of um, thought process of obstinacy, is what is killing you and us from the manifestations of God's glory. 
And that's why in the book of Revelations we hear, we, we read, there were some certain things he said in there that made it clear. He says, even though your strength was weak, you still obeyed me and persevered. Therefore, I'm going to give you a key. I'm going to open a door for you that no man can shut. Many of us want the door to open and not shut, but never obey his words. And here we come to church, kneel down, shout, scream, pray, and fast for 45 days and nothing will happen because God still says, you cannot fast my will out. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 23, he says, turn you, turn you, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you and I will make known my words unto you. But the first thing he said is, turn you. You've got to turn at my reproof, my rebuke, my correction. Because then I can pour out my spirit upon you. It is not God's turn. Listen. Write it down. It is not God's turn to pour out the anointing upon you until you turn. God is not going to turn until you turn. And many of us don't understand that we're setting us, ourselves up for a fall. So, we, 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 because, because we, we grew up where we could turn our parents by our obstinacy, our stubbornness, we're also applying the same thing with God. The fact that your parents said yes when they're supposed to say no, trust me, they ain't God. That's why you're despondent. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're angry. And in fact, even some people come and try it in church, even with the pastor. And hey, Gabriel Hosha, like a rock of Gibraltar, I ain't turning. You ain't coming here to turn me. It's only one person who will turn me for me to turn you. You ain't turning me, so he will turn himself against me. You want to turn me so I don't get to the kingdom, I don't get into the promised land. It ain't happened. Only one person that happened to Moses. After that, I am under grace. You are not coming here to turn me. And even in our relationships too, what we want to do is to turn the man. We want to turn the man before you turn. You want to turn the woman before you turn. You're not going to turn unless she turns. And God is saying this kind of attitude is not what is going to make you succeed. Because what will make you succeed is when you turn at his reproof, then he would turn to pour out his spirit upon you. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 to 14. We're going to read a lot of scriptures here. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Tap someone beside you. Say, if you live, they're not going to say anything because it's not like God's going to bless you. So look, I say, if you live according to your flesh, you will die. I just can't say, you see, when it got to you will die, everything went so quiet. <laughs> it's not me. Pastor, I didn't know I'm coming to church for, for curses. No, he says, 
if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The unfortunate thing is that many churches, many pastors, they quote the verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. No, let's go to the verse, the, the, the verse before that, that says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And even though you said, God forbid it, many people are dead physically today because they lived according to the Spirit, uh, uh, according to the flesh. You, 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 you woke up that Friday night. That Friday night. That's for, you, you, you came back from some from, from work. And then suddenly you woke up Friday night, 9, 10 p.m. You, you, when you were putting on that mascara, when you were putting on that makeup, when you were uh, putting on that, and when you were wearing that skimpy dress, something was telling you, do not go. Okay, uh, those who were, were, were surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, so I'm speaking to those who have passed away uh, through that situation, that you may learn. When you were doing that, you knew, you knew, you knew in yourself that... This is not right. I've got a long way to go with this, this series. You knew it. That while you were wearing that stuff. And while everything was clinging all over the place. You knew that I'm doing this because I want attention. You knew. And while you were getting the whole stuff ready. You were saying to her. When I walk into that club today. Ah. Uh, Ah, you knew everything was saying to you, don't do that. And many people have walked in and calamity occurred. Some died. Some are still living, but they're dead because of what happened to them. But you knew. You knew. You knew. You knew. You knew. You knew. You knew that this is the flesh. You knew when you decided to break that relationship, even though something within you was saying, it is because your flesh is fighting against his will. God is not going to take anything away that he has commissioned. No. You, you, knew, you knew that God brought that woman into your life to deal with your flesh. You knew God brought that guy into your life to kill your flesh. One gentleman called me up recently and said, Pastor, do you agree to this kind of money to be spent on this kind of thing? I said, tell your fiancé or the girl. I said, if she has the audacity, she should call me for the answer. <laughs> it's simple. He said, she, she's not going to call you. So you knew. You, 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 you knew. You knew within yourself that pastor is not going to sign this off. But you still want it. And this is the thing about accepting God's will because God's will does not really match up to our flesh. But God is saying, my will is so perfect 
that even when the world walks out, that door of accepting my will will be permanently open and nobody can shut. But I'm not going to open a door you opened. I'm going to open a door I opened. And there's something else about the door is that when God opens the door, he's now saying you need to walk into it. But many doors people see as an obstacle. You know your flesh is saying, I just want to do this. How many relationships, how many marriages, how many careers have died because they lived according to the flesh? Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? Listen to me. Let me throw this down to you because as we, as we close, purity. Turn to someone and say purity. I know these things are not preached in church, but listen to me. Purity is the gateway to live in the miraculous. Purity. Purity is the price that you pay for power. It is the requirement for the release of the anointing of God upon your life. Purity. 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 So where there is, a, there is no turning, and when, I, when, when, when it talks about turning, it means repentance. When there is no repentance, there is no restoration. And where there is no restoration, there is no manifestation. Purity. The question we need to ask ourselves is, so how do I accept God's will into my life? How do I transform my life so that it is so much devoted to the will of God? The first thing we hear, if we're going to succeed, he says that in, in, in Romans 12, 2, he says, do not copy the behavior and the custom of the world. The first thing God said to me, even when he was speaking to me this afternoon, he says, you've got to clear out. Turn to someone and say, clear out. You've got to learn to clear out the house for a miracle. You've got to be able to learn to get rid of the Achan in your life. If you're going to accept God's will, you first got to clear something out. Are you following what I'm saying? You can't take the old into the new. When we were moving houses years ago, we had to do what is called a clear out. A clear out. When I remember the clear 